Hey there, Agile folks. Welcome to another episode of Agile Bytes, the Agile podcast put on by Integrity Inspired Solutions, where we are building software in an Agile manner day in and day out. Well, this is our holiday episode, and so we have a special treat for our audience. Today, we are giving away tons of free gifts. What? We're not, we're not giving away any free gifts. Well, then why did I buy all those plush unicorns? All right. Evidently, I had a slight misunderstanding with our podcast management, so we are not giving away free gifts. But if I can give away free wisdom or you're really into plush unicorns, please reach out to us anyway, because apparently we have a lot. But in today's episode, we might not have a free gift in terms of something material to give to you. But in the spirit of the holidays, we do have a gift nonetheless. And today we're going to be talking about how Agile relates to actual love. Love for humanity in general, love for the people that we work with, and even love for ourselves. Keeping with the seasonal theme, on this podcast and, and even just in my coaching career in general, I talk a lot about process and sometimes I talk a lot about math. And when people hear these things, when they hear me talking about, you know, how we set up teams or how we set up Kanban boards or flow metrics or things like that, those can sound very left-brained, you know, for lack of a better word. And I have sometimes been accused of not saying enough about people. And on rare occasions when maybe tensions get a little high, I've even had people say before that if you focus too much on process, then you just must not care about the people very much, as if what really lights my fire is math and graphs. And I understand where this sentiment is coming from, but I want you to think about it for a minute. Imagine, if you will, that there's somebody who really wants to address a need. Let's say they really want to get food to struggling villages in Africa, or they really want to try to get money and water and shelter to families that are being displaced in the Ukraine right now. And they really care about those people and that's what they really want to do. Well, in order to do that, there's so much planning and thinking that has to happen around that. You have to figure out transportation, you have to figure out shipping, you have to figure out logistics, you have to figure out how to get other people involved, you have to figure out what it's going to take to get into those continents and countries. There's so many things you have to figure out. And if you can imagine someone who's very passionate about that cause and all day, every day, they're trying to schedule the most economic flights. They're trying to find the most economic way to ship. They're trying to find sustainable solutions to things as opposed to quick fixes. And they're spending all their time thinking about that. You would never accuse that person of not caring about the people because the whole reason that they're spending their time doing that, the whole reason they are invested in all those little details however dry those details might be, is because ultimately it serves their purpose and their passion. They care about the people. There's a need. They want to address that need. And so in order to do that, they really have to work out a bunch of stuff. It's not going to do anybody any good if they just spend all day talking about the people or talking about the needs. They need to do stuff, right? They need to do actual things right? In order to show love to these people, that's how you show that you value things, is that you you turn these thoughts and sentiments into actual actions. So Agile is kind of this way. Yes, we do talk a lot about logistical kinds of things. We do talk about cards. We do talk about formats. We talk about structures. And yeah, unfortunately, sometimes we have to talk about math. Sorry, that's the way it goes. But the reason that we talk about these things 
is because the whole agile movement, as much as it may talk about making money, as much as it may talk about hitting the right market with the right product and things like that, ultimately it's all about people. And I would argue that done right, that agile is really about love. And I want to start by talking about someone who's been very influential to me on my own journey through Agile and Lean, and that's W. Edwards Deming. Many of you probably already know who that is. W. Edwards Deming, who, if you see a picture of him, he kind of looks a little bit like Santa Claus. It's, it's not hard to look at a picture of Deming and imagine him with the you know, red sock cap with the ball on the end or a big red suit or whatever. Deming was actually someone that the United States sent to Japan in the wake of World War II. Japan had been devastated as a country. The infrastructure, the economy, the war, the bombs, everything had just taken a huge, huge toll on Japan. So we sent Deming over to try to help them get back on their feet, to restructure their production and their economy. And Deming did those things quite swimmingly, in fact, for quite some time and arguably to an extent even today in certain fields like automotive and electronic. Japan is just knocking it out of the park because of Deming and the, the principles and practices that he laid down. And when you're looking at it on paper, if you're just thinking about a guy going to manufacturing plants and helping them manufacture more for less money, you might get it into your head that this has very little to do with people, right? This is about efficiency. This is about making money. This is about getting economies and manufacturing infrastructure back online. But when you read the things that Deming wrote, you start to see another side to all this because Deming really cared about people being employed. He cared about the dignity of the people who work in these places. And he cared about people being able to put food on their table. And as you read the things that Deming wrote about management, things that he really wished that back in America we would take to heart, he would say radical things like, wouldn't it be great if a company saw its primary responsibility to be to its own employees, that we would start businesses so that people could work for them and feed their families, that that would be something that management really focused on is how do we retain employees? How do we care for more people? How do we use our economic engines to take care of more people and their families? He was very convinced about this. He was very moved by this. And when it came to the people themselves, a lot of times in management, people would blame their problems on the workers. You know, our workers don't care. Our workers are lazy. We need more stuff to keep our workers working. We we need more things to make sure these slothful, unethical workers aren't slacking off and aren't stealing from us. And, you know, as we know, there's a fair amount of American management practices that sort of derive from that idea that your employees are basically trying to screw you over. And if you let them have any kind of rope at all, they're going to slack off and they're going to steal from you and they're going to take advantage of you. Deming strongly did not believe that. He believed that most people wanted to work. They wanted to do a good job. They wanted to feel pride in their work. They wanted to feel like they were supporting themselves by the work that they did. He thought most people wanted that. The problem was, is that we had taken these good people and we had put systems on top of them that made them bound to fail, that were bound to be inefficient, that were bound to let low quality into the ecosystem. And, and as a result, businesses couldn't make their money 
costs were high, profits were low, and they would have to let people go. But everything Deming did was motivated from this fundamental conviction that people wanted to do well in their work. And it was most of the time the bad systems and management placed upon them that really kept them from doing what their heart wanted to do. And in Deming's mind, if we could just figure out how to turn that around, if we could just change management, if we could just change our systems, then the potential of these people would be unleashed. Their dignity as workers would be restored. They wouldn't be automatons in a machine of our own design. They would be co-creators with us. And in this process, as we made money, we could keep them employed and their prosperity would increase and their families could be fed. This was his vision. This was a man who deeply, deeply cared about people. And whatever else you might read about you know, total quality management or, or other practices that came from Deming's work, however mathematical they might look to you or, or however focused they might be on things like waste and cost and product development, I guarantee you at the heart of all of that was a man who deeply, deeply cared about the people who were going to be affected by what he did. Well, I run a company called Integrity Inspired Solutions. We develop custom software primarily, and I as an individual have the opportunity to coach other organizations in their own agility and in their own software development. I also write code. That's the primary thing we do around here is people need software and we develop it for them. Or they already have software development teams. They need some extra help or some extra bandwidth and we come alongside and, and we provide that. And the reason that we do that is because we believe that software development as traditionally done has a lot of dysfunction in it. And that dysfunction not only affects companies' bottom lines, it ultimately hurts people. If you go to our website, and you read our mission, it's in our about section, it's right at the top. And Integrity's mission was to improve the lives of everyone who comes into contact with the software development process. That's users, that's developers, that's stakeholders, that's management. We want to improve their lives. That's the whole reason we started. There are other software development companies out there, but we wanted to start a company where we used agile and lean practices to take these people and this experience and begin to give them a different experience. A lot of times people's experiences with software developers or software development companies are not that great. Promises get broken, right? A lot of times it's, it's a very deadline heavy, a very contractually heavy, a big upfront planning heavy kind of way of doing things that doesn't really fit knowledge work. It never really worked. Even you take the best software developers in the world and you say, I need to know the exact dates that everything is going to be done. They're going to fail you. And it's not because they're bad software developers and it's not because they can't plan. It's just because knowledge work doesn't work that way. There's actually a lot of work that doesn't really work that way. And that's just one example. There's so many things about the way software development is traditionally done that just creates bad blood. It creates distrust. Software developers begin to distrust the testers and they have an antagonistic relationship with their own project managers and don't even get me started about the users. It's interesting to me that the people who talk the worst about users are the people who are serving them. It's the people who are developing software for them. Y you almost get the idea that everyone's lives would be a lot better if we just didn't have to worry about users when we made software. This is abnormal. This is not the way things should be. We, we should not have people at odds with each other like this over things like missed requirements and broken deadlines and 
poor quality and things like that. This is where agile and lean processes really can begin to reverse these tendencies and begin to change culture. The people who are doing the work get their dignity back. They are the ones that are empowered to make the decisions on the best way to do the work. They are the ones monitoring their own project health. And as they begin to work in this way, then people begin to see the steady stream of value being delivered. And as that steady stream of value is being regularly delivered, then trust begins to spring up where before, you know, these people are going to go off in a cave for six months and who knows what I'm going to see at the end of that. Well, now they're seeing value right in front of their eyes, right? Delivering in a constant stream and it's being adapted in response to the needs that they express in response to the feedback that they give back. And this begins to build trust. And now we are in the same boat together, trying to work together, trying to create value together. Now we are building a team where there used to be disparate individuals. Now we are providing a common vision where there used to be a lot of competing visions and a lot of competing tactics. Now we all want the same thing as opposed to groups competing for resources. When you have a situation like that, I, I can't begin to describe for you the changes that happen in individuals' hearts and in organizational dynamics. People's lives get so much better. People have so much morale, they're happier, relationships begin to form that didn't exist before. Companies' cultures transform, not overnight for sure, but they do. Things, situations you thought were irreparable begin to transform because of these practices. If you look at my company's core values, you will see that at the top of our core values, it's love. And the reason that that's at the top of our core values is that everything we do, from the way that we write user stories to our Monte Carlo simulations, to the whip limits on our Kanban board. Every left brain tactic that we bring to bear onto the Agile enterprise comes from a deep, deep motive of increasing the amount of love in the world. These practices are how we demonstrate our love to our clients and how we grow love within those organizations as well as we work with them in this way and as we pass them on. So for all of you who are out there, and you are fighting the good fight in your own organizations. You are trying to push power down to your teams. You're trying to create better planning tools. You are trying to make sure everyone is focused on incremental value delivery as opposed to these big upfront plans of, of batches that are slow to get out the door. As you're working through these practices, especially for the holiday season, as we're thinking about our fellow human beings, just keep in mind that you come from a long tradition of people who love other people and are coming up with better ways to develop software, not just because we need better software or better bottom lines, but because we need better people and we need better organizations who treat those people better and keep them employed longer. And that's really what this is all about, Charlie Brown. And I hope this is helpful to you and I hope it's motivational for you as well. Happy holidays from our company to yours, our families to yours. And we will see you in the new year. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Agile Bites. Agile does sometimes bite, but we don't think it always has to. If you enjoyed what you heard today, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you happen to be using. And if you can, leave us a comment because we'd love to hear your feedback. What things would you like to hear about? What things did you hear that were valuable to you today? You can also head over to integrityinspired.com to sign up to our email list. But that's all for today, folks. We'll see you next time.